welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on internet land and socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. You know, if anything goes haywire, we'll just pull it out or, you know, do some sort of hodgepodge I'm, thing, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, I'm used to haywire. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. I know I've been looking over your bio and your website and everything, and I'm, I'm sure it's uh, a little chaotic there from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> so you're in Maryland, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, um, I'm on the Eastern shore of Maryland, which is about 40 minutes from ocean city on the coast. So we're, we're experiencing a lot of rain for the last several weeks, but you know, looking forward to spring. Yeah. I was gonna ask you about (laughs) that. How have you gotten some of that real intense cold that people have been having? Not as severe as I've heard in other places, but yeah, it's been a little unusual this year. You know, last year we didn't have any snow whatsoever, which was a little bit odd, but this year we've actually gotten several snows of a couple inches or more. And that's, that's actually strange for us because we're basically surrounded by water. So usually on on the other side of the Chesapeake Bay, they get, you know, hammered in the wintertime but we kind of go unscathed. So this year has been a little odd in in that sense. I'm looking forward to sun though. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. It's been weird everywhere. I think with weather these days, Yeah, climate change, you know, unless you, unless you don't believe in it and then we'll cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) Climate change. What's that? Um, Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, so first of all, Rachel Alvarez is the guest and she does wonderful work. Uh, You would you say you're a watercolorist and uh, illustrator? Yeah, I, you know, I hesitate to say watercolorist because I've only been working in the medium for about five years. Yeah. Um, But I just enjoy like minimalist, but highly detailed work. So um, I kind of like to to keep it fun and light and colorful. And so the illustration portion is kind of, you know, the, the different projects that I get to work on sometimes do tend to lend themselves to illustration. Yes. Yeah, we were talking. Well, let's I guess we can start here. We met on Clubhouse, yes. uh, the new app. And um, I, I see you on there quite a bit. I think we got into a couple of rooms with Alejandro Castellon. Mm-hmm. How have you been liking the the app? I like it. I mean, I hate to say this, but I like it especially because I don't have to feel like I need to be um, a certain way. I don't need to be seen. <laughs> I can just be right. heard, you exactly. know, and listen and learn. Um, 
it is a little bit tricky for me because I am usually home with our, both of our kids and they're just five and eight years old. So they really don't know yet about boundaries and things like that. So I can't really speak as much as I can listen, which is great. That's, you know, I'm on the app to learn right. and I've learned so much from uh, so many different amazing people. But I think the thing I like the most about it is that you can just really hear the passion and people's voices. And, and I think you can pick up on whether or not they're being authentic or not, which is a good, a good thing nowadays. I completely agree. It's cool. It's almost like a group podcast, Yeah, but you can raise your hand and talks depending on the moderation um, or the moderators. But yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a great source of um, information for people. I was a little nervous. I was like, wait a minute, is this going to take the place of podcasting? But I don't think it does. I just think it's a great way to, first of all, during COVID for people to connect. And then secondly, just to, yeah, to hear a bunch of different perspectives on a certain subject. Yeah. It seems like it kind of fast forwards the relationship building portion of working with any, you know, other creatives. It's like, yes, I feel like I've heard so many great personal stories and things real time that, you know, I almost feel like I know these people, you know, and I obviously never yeah. met them in person, but it's very, very different than just seeing a little square image of beautiful artwork. It's, it's more personal than that, which I, I really love. I couldn't agree more. It's funny that you said that, like fast forward, because I was thinking the same thing when we were doing our room last time. There was a couple of people that I've gotten to know, you being one of them a little bit. It feels like you just skip through a lot of the relationship building. You're like, oh, I know this person. We're we're already on this level of communication, which is great. Maybe that's problematic that it's actually not really that way if you if you met the person in person. But I think it's it's a great way to at least build some relationships in a time when we can't be in person. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I I do think that, you know, like we were talking about in one of the rooms, there is a certain level of responsibility, both as a listener and a speaker Mm -hmm. to accurately represent yourself and your knowledge. And then, you know, not to just invest your time or, or money into someone who's saying that they're an expert, you know, but I think that's one good thing about that app is that you can kind of vet someone faster by being able to hear how they respond to other people and, you know, being kind of put on the spot, if you will, with random questions about art and art related topics, excuse me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's kind of nice that you can, you can hear their reactions and responses to questions real time. Well, I wanted to ask you, first of all, I ask everybody right now, uh, just because we are still in a pandemic, how has that affected your art? Has it been positive? Has it been negative? Uh, what have you had to change? Oh gosh, that's a, it's a great question because you know it wasn't until I sat down, really, to be honest with you, and did started doing my taxes <laughs> that I started to really. Oh, yeah. no, I am like the worst at consistent bookkeeping, so when I get to ready to do my taxes, I'm like, all right, let's let's take a look at how the last year was. <laughs> Um, last year was really different. I mean, I I'll start by saying I just started my business about five years ago and Mm -hmm. I was seeing about a double revenue every year that I've been in business. And of course, this year was totally different. You know, I didn't, thankfully didn't see a loss of revenue compared to 2019, 
but almost like a reallocation of how people are spending money. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I tend to sell my artwork in a variety of different places. I don't do any um, art gallery work at all, but right. I do have my website and then I sell work wholesale to brick and mortar shops. And so what I noticed about last year and currently is that the brick and mortar shops obviously were especially challenged because depending on their location, they may have been closed for six months, you know? And um, so they weren't purchasing as much as they normally would because they were not having any physical customers, but the retail portion, yeah, it, it was kind of, you know, and I, I have to be honest, I'm not really good during this time and season of knowing how to best communicate with brick and mortar shops, because I want to be sensitive, you know, I don't want to be salesy and, and pitching when they're going through a really challenging time. Mm-hmm. But the retail portion of the business has actually gone up quite a bit. Um, thankfully, Etsy's been busier. I think people have been home more, which has made them think about their homes more and how they want to decorate and preserve family memories. Maybe they're not taking for granted some of the things that they typically did. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen a, a bit of a spike in things like home portrait sales and you know paintings of specific memories. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of been a flip-flop of what I expected and what I could have anticipated if, if we, any of us could have anticipated. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's good that you had, I always talk about this on the show, having kind of a diversified approach and it sounds like you had that going on for you. So if like, let's say you were just doing the wholesale to the brick and mortar, that could have been devastating, but because you had Etsy and your website and you were doing some online sales, it almost kind of picked up the slack for you. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I'm really learning in my business is to just keep casting wider nets. I was listening to one of your previous podcast episodes and you were talking about the different online places that you've presented your work. And it's so, so true. It's like, you know, I, I feel like any artist going into this with an intention of being full-time really cannot have too much pride around, you know, presenting themselves one certain way or to one certain group of people, you know, it's like, exactly. kind of have to be open about pivoting, you know, and if you're not willing to pivot, then when a situation like we're going through comes up, it's like, ugh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Got to be willing to kind of put your pride aside sometimes and be like, okay, well, let me see which other avenues I can investigate and look for. And maybe it'll flop, but maybe it won't. Right. Well, and yeah. And I think the adaptation process is is important. I see, I've seen a lot of artists that were just kind of represented by galleries and brick and mortar things and did, you know, art fairs and things like that. And some of those people are really suffering right now because they didn't have a digital presence at all. So, you know, it's funny too, because I always liken it to the person who really loves a band, you know, and then when a band becomes uh, famous, they go, oh, they sold out. It's like, well, did did they, or are they just getting more popular? I kind of feel like it's the same thing with some artists with like online stuff. It's like, well, no, I don't, I'm not doing online. That's selling out. It's like, no, you're just kind of taking the reins of it, taking control of your career. Sure. There are ways that you can sell out if you're just like following trends and not being authentic to yourself. But if you're just trying to find different avenues to get your work out there, 
that is not selling out. I totally agree with you. And I was just going to say, if I had to be sold out to anything, it would be to, to be sold out to the commitment to sell my work. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's so funny because I, I, I was very uh, blessed to be in a family of artists growing up. They all did art in a different way. But like my grandmother, for instance, is um, an exceptional watercolor artist. My grandfather was an art therapist and oil painter. And so thankfully, I was very encouraged in my path to want to go into the arts. Um, Everybody's direction has been so different. And I think like, it's funny because I sell a lot of note cards and stickers and art prints. That's what I sell the most of. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I could in my mind, have this decision that those things are not fine art. But I think it's like what we talked about in a clubhouse room once. It's all in the details of of the presentation of it and how we treat our customers in the end too. You know, it's like I if somebody Definitely. buys a $4 sticker, I'm still writing them a personal thank you note because to me, I put a lot of heart in that just as much as I put into anything that I do. You know, yes. so it all adds up. <laughs> well, no, you can feel that from what you were saying on Clubhouse. I mean, I think that's very important. I do some stuff. I call them almost like entry level for me, entry level, like gateway stuff. Like, for example, yeah. I do these micro paintings, these small pieces. And, you know, they, I don't make a whole lot of money on those typically after commission and shipping and whatnot. But at the same time, I love them. And I put just as much of myself into those. And I do the same thing. I write a note to the collector and I put as much of my heart into it. and. I think that is what shows. If you were just like, ah, eh, it's $4, whatever. I'm just going to ship it out. That's selling out. But because you're putting so much of yourself into each piece, I think that resonates with the collector. Yes. And I think that they do become collectors, even if it's, you know, on a small scale, because they see that you took your work seriously. And exactly. that's a big deal. It's like, you know, you want to see that something that you've invested in big or small, but especially small, I think sometimes, you know, that someone has ethics and principles and morals and that they're, you know, that they're following through on their end of what they've committed to do. And, you know, I guess if I were to talk to a recent art school graduate, I would just probably encourage them and say, you know, don't stop looking for opportunities to see how your art fits in the big picture. Like, don't settle into one particular routine or rut because that's what it's going to be. (laughs) It's a rut. It'll be a rut. And also, it's hard when you do that because I think a lot of artists have some certain path in their mind of this is what it's going to be for me because I know somebody else who did this. And it could be very different for you. Like, if I had gone down the art fair route, that hasn't been super successful for me. But if I put all my eggs in that basket, I would be really struggling right now. So I just kind of tried everything. I threw a bunch of stuff at the wall. I did the gallery route. I did online sales. I did art fairs. You know, you name it. And I just found my own little niche in in each one of these and, you know, where to focus my attention. And that's why I'm able to run my business. It sounds like you have a a similar approach. Yeah. I mean, I will say that because I have so many different outlets sometimes it is hard to stay on top of each one you know the algorithm and all the things that we have to know you know but and I do think that a lot of times people who know that I am an artist but they're not artists they don't understand 
just how much of the back end side of things it takes. You know, it's not some mystical career that just right. kind of happens. <laughs> I'm not, laughing because not like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I completely can understand where you're coming from. I, I have art. I mean, I have friends who contact me like I know you're probably painting the studio right now like no matter when they contact me, I know you're probably painting right now but it's like no I mean I do paint every day but it's 75% of my time is doing what you're saying the back end stuff you know uploading work doing social yeah. media doing marketing so I think it's just funny how people have that conception of what artists do every day I know I it is so funny I don't know I mean and I think like artists generally speaking you know are not necessarily very left-brained no, <laughs> no, people and yet all of these platforms require a certain level of that so it it just kind of complicates things sometimes <laughs> it definitely complicates things and it's why you have to stretch yourself a bit i think if you it's okay if you don't want to do that if you don't want to have an online presence and you want to just try to go the gallery route or if you want to be a hobby artist, that's fine too. I mean, there's nobody who's saying you must make a career out of this. But I think if you're going to make a career out of this in this day and age, you have to learn some of these skills. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's kind of nice to be on a new app and learn all the bells and whistles of that app. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I'm really, really hoping that when I do things like that, that that is going to build relationships and connections in a way that will eventually potentially help with my artistic endeavors. But, you know, <laughs> who knows? Who yeah. knows? We, you know, it's still fun in the process. Yeah, I think as long as you're getting something out of the app, and that's what I see with it is there's kind of a short game and there's a long game. Like I'm enjoying meeting people. I'm enjoying learning from other people. But yeah, eventually you want to be driving people back to your website or whatever to like hear from me, the podcast, um, to your Etsy shop. And I think that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to, to think like, you know, I, I really, really believe that people invest into people that they believe in. And I, you know, I have customers that I've had from the beginning that just keep coming back. And the only rationale that I have for it, other than, you know, of course, that they like the art is that they support the mission that I'm on. You know, maybe they they can relate because they have dreams that they're trying to reach and, and goals they're trying to pursue that are a little bit different from typical standard career ambitions, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. yeah. No, um, I, I completely think that's true. Yeah. And I mean, it's just so cool to be able to um, to meet other people like you and Alejandro that are learning all of this at the same time. And we all have such different um, perspectives of how we're going to go about doing it, but we totally have things in common as well. And it's just neat that we can meet in the middle. I completely agree. I think there's a definitely at our core, a similar drive or passion, I guess. Uh, I think that's what unites us. But I think having the three of us coming at it from different perspectives gives a very (laughs) well-rounded Um, you know, view of it. So I wanted to talk to you about your origin story because it's interesting. And I think a lot of people can relate to how you do art and why you got back into art. So start as early as you want, as young as you want, take as much time as you want, no pressure or as little time as you want. And yeah, just kind of guide us through how you became an artist and, and where you are today. 
Okay, so let's see. Um, as I mentioned before, quite a few members in my family were involved in the arts to some degree. So thankfully, I grew up hearing them talk about it, seeing their work, and that seeing that and seeing that they had made a career out of it um, in some way, shape, or form really made me get interested in wanting to study art in college. So when I went into my bachelor's degree, I knew immediately that I wanted to major in art. I initially chose photography and I went through all four years studying photography. But then before I graduated, I had already taken all the photography classes that I could and still had two semesters left. So I switched oh, over wow. to painting at the end and um, ended up staying an extra semester to get my BFA in painting. And I studied with um, an instructor that primarily focused on oil painting. And so that's what I was mm -hmm. trained in. And that's what I chose to work in, in my spare time and so forth. But when I graduated college, I was really afraid to try to do anything with my work. I just did not personally believe that I could really make a successful living with it. And so I ended up going the corporate retail business route and, mm -hmm. um, Ended up working with Barnes & Noble Corporation and getting pretty high up the ladder locally and was just life sucked. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed working with people and I enjoyed the challenges and, you know, um, all of that. But I was just constantly looking for opportunities to be creative and there just weren't any. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing things like teaching art to children with after school programs when I was done with my work. And I was, you know, drawing on the break room dry erase board to try to <laughs> get some of my energy out, you know. Um, but I really wasn't nice. doing anything at all with my art. And then in 2010, I met my now husband. We got married and in 2012 I had our first child. And during his nap times I just had that little bit of time every single day to myself. And I was talking to my husband one day and he encouraged me to start painting again during that time. Cause I'm not the type of person to sleep when the baby sleeps. That's what everybody says that. And it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> I've got a million things I can be doing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah, this is your, <laughs> yeah. Time. And, and so I ended up buying these little six inch by six inch oil um, canvases and I started painting one piece each day during his nap times and it would be like you know I'd have an hour or maybe sometimes I'd have two and a half hours but I never knew how long it would be and so I just kind of started accumulating these little paintings um, and I had a few of them done and then I walked into a coffee shop here locally and I saw that they had a featured artist sign on the wall and I asked the owner of the coffee shop if she could tell me how could I become the featured artist? And she said, well, send me an email with some of the pictures of your work. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> like all the work that I have is 15 <laughs> years old. And you I know, can I show you the dry erase board. Right? <laughs> like I have three, six inch by six inch pieces done, you know? And so it, it really forced me to crank out some artwork really fast. So I painted probably 20 to 25 paintings and photographed them and sent her an email. And she said, we can put you up as soon as, you know, 
couple months from now. So that was my first kind of entry back into the art world. And that was six years ago. And at the time, like I said, I was painting in oil, Mm -hmm. but my, I became pregnant again with our second. And while I was pregnant, I just didn't want all of the chemical smells in the house from the paints and the paint thinners and all that. And so I happened to find this bag of paint that my husband had gotten for me at a yard sale. (laughs) And, um, it had sat in my closet for a while. Um, and I, I really was never trained how to use watercolors, but I was like, well, let me grab these and see what I can do with them. Because I did know that they certainly wouldn't put off the same chemical smell and they would probably be easier to clean up and set up, which I was really needing that. Um, at yeah, that for point. Sure. <laughs> so I just started dabbling in watercolor and then I really ended up falling in love with the medium because it was to me way, way more challenging than oils because I couldn't just paint over a mistake. I had to be really, really intentional right from the Mm get-go about where color and tone and texture and all that stuff would go. So yeah, I mean, now I'm just, you know, the kids are both in school two days a week now (laughs) and at home the other three for Mm -hmm. virtual school. But I do um, still paint in my little moments of time that I get here and there. And, um, you know, hopefully once this pandemic is all over, I can get back to a a more normal creative schedule. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You and everybody else. But I love your story. I love I love how you call yourself the nap time artist. I think that's really great. Uh, It it encapsulates what you're doing. But I was struck by a couple of things when I was looking over your bio on your website and hearing you speak, obviously, too. And that was how you have these constraints on your on your work and how important that can be. Like the first constraint, obviously, is a time constraint, having to fit in a painting in, in during a nap time or during a two hour uh, Zoom session with your kids at school or whatever. And then the other one is switching from oils to watercolors and having to be precise, like you said. How have those constraints made you a better artist? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, well, I will say this. I believe for my kids that if they want to be successful in life, they can't be afraid of failure, you know? Right. And that's something, I'm a perfectionist at heart. And so I have a tendency to be afraid of failure. And I made myself a promise um, way back when I first started painting again, that anything I painted wouldn't be a failure because I had taken 15 years being afraid of failing. And that's why I didn't paint at all. And so any progress is progress. And I think uh, when I switched over to watercolor, I just was like, I'm not going to throw away anything that I produce, even if it's total crap, because at least I can go back and look at it and see that there's been some development in my skill over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have a huge, at this point, it's a kind of ridiculous stack of watercolor paintings and I haven't thrown any of them away. And it has been pretty interesting to see how my styles changed, you know, the different things that I'm willing to take on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, still to this day, I really try to challenge myself that if someone reaches out to me with a commission idea 
And it really makes me uncomfortable that I'm just not going to say no. Yeah. And that's, that's important. You know, it's, it's not comfortable for sure. <laughs> you know, right. like I, a couple pieces, I'll give you an example. Like somebody told me that she, she did a semester abroad in Spain and her, the person who was hosting her was this older Spanish woman who was very eccentric. She wore these huge dangly earrings and she, she loved to eat chocolate every day. And she was just very like vibrant in her personality. And she had these chickens that she would take care of every day. And so this person that reached out to me wanted me to do a, a painting of a chicken wearing earrings, eating chocolate. <laughs> and it's of like, course. you know, okay, <laughs> that sounds crazy to my brain, you know, but I knew that like, if I could pull it off, it would mean something to her and to the person that she was going to give it to. Yeah. You know, so it's stuff like that is that's my favorite type of work in, in my work is just kind of, um, helping people to take this idea, even as ridiculous as it might be, it's still, it's theirs, you know, it's their personal idea. Nobody else relates to that art the same way. And that's what makes it special to me. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. I love it. Fun. it good? <laughs> it's been fun. You said, yeah, it's been really fun. I, I, you know, I've done some really, really unusual pieces over the years. At least they're unusual to me. And those oh, yeah. have kind of been my favorite ones. So definitely. Well, something you said hit home with me, and that's just being uncomfortable, kind of forcing yourself to be uncomfortable. Because I think a lot of times getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is how you grow and and conquering that fear, especially as an artist trying to make a living as an artist, you have to push yourself through fear. Because it's like, it's a constant battle every day. So I think that's interesting. And then I agree with you with those commissions. I don't know how many times I've gotten commissions. I'm like, oh, I don't really, I don't want to do this. or I don't know if I should do this. But I just always say yes and jump into it. And many times, like you said, they become my favorite pieces. And they also show you what you're capable of, right? Yeah. And then the next time that someone asks you to do something that's kind of along that same vein, you can go back to your memory bank and say, well, I did it successfully that other time. So, I you know, there's chicken more eating chocolate wearing earrings. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'll take it on. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So was it very difficult switching from oils to watercolors? It was really. Um, but, you know, with the, the challenges that it presented, like, technically wise or technical wise, mm -hmm. um, it made up for in the benefits of the medium because of how easy it was to set up and clean up and all the other things. So, yeah. you know, still to this day, there are certain things that I hesitate to take on as commissions because they just won't be represented the same way as they would have been in oils. And I'm just you know, I don't, I don't really have any interest right now in pulling my oil, oil paints out and starting that process back up again at this point. Yeah. I think I will in the future, you know, but there are just certain subject matters that tend to lend themselves more to oil than watercolor. But as far as learning the process, it's, it's actually been to me a really fun challenge. I love it. Um, 
you know, I think that the biggest difference was learning to kind of work backwards. It's like right. with oils, you you can put in your shadows first and add your highlights. And it's almost like the way you would see the object, you know, it's like if it's three dimensional, you see the, the highlights last, you see, you see everything kind of from the inside out, but with watercolor, it's the opposite. And you have to kind of be planning around the opposite perspective. <laughs> so oh, that's interesting. Challenging in that way. Yeah, I love that. I did a tiny bit of watercolor in school and I was always fascinated by it. But yeah, I, I would be nervous to try to <laughs> jump into that. So congratulations on making the transition so effectively. Thanks. I mean, I won't say that I, you know, it's funny because as, as many times as I've finished commission work in the last five years, I still like, Every single time I paint a piece, I'm like, oh man, am I going to like spill the cup of water? <laughs> am I going to like <laughs> dip my paintbrush in the coffee instead of the water? <laughs> like, right, right. What am I going to do? And thankfully nothing too catastrophic has happened, but I, I do still kind of do and dance on eggshells the whole time. Yeah. That's interesting though. Maybe that could be a new little side project for you. Coffee, yeah. coffee painting. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Happy accidents. Um, well, yes. you talked about your grandparents, and that's that's a really cool story. I love that. I love that on your website, you have a picture of where you work. You've got the desk that your grandfather used to work on, right? And yeah. um, and then one of his paintings on the wall as inspiration. I think that's beautiful. What did they do specifically as artists, and, and were they successful? Yeah. Um, so my grandmother was a teacher, and she um, taught art, but she was a master watercolorist. I mean, and it's funny because I lived closer to my grandfather. So I got to know him a little bit more personally, mm -hmm. but when I would go and visit my grandmother, it was like amazing to see the work that she had produced because she's just very modest. And, um, you know, I just was not really as exposed to her work, but my grandfather was an art therapist and he worked full-time in that career. He was also pretty modest about his achievements. And, um, I remember when I graduated high school, he came to come to my graduation and he opened up his trunk and pulled out this like binder of newspaper clippings. And it had all these clippings from the 60s and 70s of him like and photographs with really major players in the art world because he was just starting to get into art therapy it was kind of a new field of study really yeah. and so you know just over the years he talked to me pretty candidly about his patience with a lot of discretion of course but he told me about people that he'd had the opportunity to help through art and it wasn't until I was going through, I really believe I was going through postpartum depression with my first, um, mm -hmm. that I really, really understood the healing power of art. Uh, I had heard about it my whole life, but until it happened to me, I don't think I really understood. And now it's like, gosh, I wish I could go back, you know, and talk to him. He, he passed away in 2014. That's actually why I started painting again. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I wish I could that. go back and talk to him and, you know, tell him how much I appreciate what he was doing for people and, and helping them get yeah. through things, you know? Well, I'm sure he yeah. saw that side in you. So I'm sure he knows that, uh, that you were going to be an artist. Um, I think that's amazing to have 
that kind of influence on you and to see both the effectiveness of art in, in the healing process, but also that you can do something with your art, you know, make a, make a living even in, in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's funny because like, even though he, the majority of his career was around art therapy, he was pretty prolific in what he produced art wise. I mean, it was incredible. Like at his funeral, it was pretty um, eye opening. They had all these easels lining the room with all of his artwork, just not all of it, but a good portion of it. And my brother and I just kind of looked at each other and made a promise right then and there that we were going to try to carry on that part of our family's lineage because, you know, at the time we just, we wanted to our kids and their kids to know that we had had, you know, these people in our lives that were so special to us that cared so much about the arts and we just kind of wanted to keep that going. So um, yeah, about six months later is when I started painting again. (laughs) and Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that story. Thanks for sharing it with us. Um, I wanted to ask on the other side, on the flip side. So when you got into the corporate world, when you worked with Barnes and Noble and and all that, was it based out of fear of of not being able to make a living as an artist? Or was it just like, okay, out of school, time to get a job? (laughs) Which was it? Or was it a combination? Well, it's so funny because, so this is what happened. I um I was a full-time student going to art school and I was working in a music store. Um oh, and nice. I love music. And so, you know, I I walked into this music store and they were kind of I don't know if you've ever seen the movie High Fidelity. That's Are you one of my kidding? Favorite. Oh, I That's love my that favorite movie. movie. <laughs> it's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. Oh my god, I could you quote know, like so how many condescending yeah. Jack Black is in that movie. Oh like, yeah. That's such how, elitist, <laughs> right? That's how we were in the music store, and um, <laughs> it was terrible looking back. But um, I remember us playing like Sonic Youth and stuff like that it, on the speakers in the music store, and people walking in and just being disgusted because we weren't playing, you know, pop music that everybody knew. And it was just such a fun environment. And what happened was, I was a third key manager, whatever that is, and um, one of my staff members heard that there was going to be a new Barnes and Noble being built in our town and they were having these massive job interviews. And she asked me if I could go with her for emotional support. And I was like, okay. So I went and I was interviewed and then they said that they wanted to offer me a job to be the music manager there, which was not at all what I was planning on doing. Oh, wow. And so I ended up taking the job as it was quite a bit of a pay raise. And then I just got sucked in <laughs> from there. Yep. And it just went got its you know, further, teeth and further claws down in you. the rabbit hole. It was, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I don't regret that part of my life. I, I think that it taught me a lot about business, a lot about customer service and patience with people, you know. Sure. Of course. I feel the same way with waiting tables. Yeah. Yeah. And waiting tables. I did that for a while too, you know, and it's like, you know, I think that that's part of the process. I, um, I've written a couple blog posts about this and I think it, it really sticks out for me is that no part of my journey up until now has ever been wasted. If I want really, really want to get critical about it, I still needed to go through it to get to where I am now, I'm- you know? I was going to tell you to preach on because 
I feel exactly the same, exactly the same. Like even when I was hating it in, in the moment and I was like, Oh my yeah. God, I've been waiting tables for like 10 plus years. I'm like, nobody knows my genius as an artist, <laughs> which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Right. But yeah, looking back on it, it was completely necessary. I would not be who I am without it. And it sounds like the same with you. Well, and I, I don't know about you. I'm guessing that you probably agree with this statement, but I would have never been ready to do what I'm doing now if it had been handed to me back then. Oh, no, no way. Like I am so much more disciplined with my time. And I think I, I value what I'm doing so much more now because I didn't get to do it for so long. It's like, there is no way in hell I'm not going to be a successful artist. <laughs> you know yes, what I mean? Yes. I'm not going back to that corporate world. I just refuse to do it. And it's mm-hmm. like, I will keep coming up with ideas and reinventing my work and, you know, figuring out ways to talk about it and ways to build connections and relationships all because I love what I'm doing, of course, first and foremost, but also because I just refuse to fail and I don't want to ever go back to hoping that I could do this. I want to be doing it, you know? Oh man. I love this. It's the same with me. Some people used to call me stubborn, you know, like, well, just, you know, maybe you're not supposed to be a, an artist. Maybe you're not, or maybe you're not supposed to be a successful artist, but I was so stubborn. I was like, no, I'm going to keep waiting tables to give yep. me that fire to keep shooting for yep. this dream. And you're right. I wouldn't have had the discipline at all. And to take that a step further, if I had achieved some sort of success younger at a younger age, when I was like drinking a lot and was a tortured artist, I might be dead by now. So I'm really right. happy that it happened the way it did for me. And, and I'm grateful every day. So thank you so much for <laughs> sharing your side of that. Cause it sounds <laughs> like you had a similar um, path. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, that's, it's important to consider the past because I feel yeah. like, you know, it can sound so romantic that somebody came out of college and immediately found success and this and that. And yet I just don't think that there's any one true perfect way, you know, to get to the end goal. It's like, it's the whole part of the process. All of it is part of the adventure. And it's like, you know, when I did that, that blog post about it, the thing that I said is your boring job is preparing you for your dream job. It's like, you have to, if you're, if you're listening and you want to be an artist full time, don't diminish what you're doing right now. You know, take it seriously and be passionate about it while you're doing it. And all of that will lend itself to get you to where you need to be. You got to be passionate with whatever you're handed in life, right? That's so (laughs) good. And be, yeah, give your all to anything you're doing. I was the best. I know it sounds horrible or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I was like the best waiter I could be. I gave it a hundred percent every time I was there. And it was really, the funny thing was when I actually made my peace with it, that it was like, this is how my life is right now. Instead of beating my head up against the wall, that's when things started to fall into place for me. And it, you know, it took me a long time to realize that, but that was my path. I needed it. And now hopefully it set the stage for the rest of my life being this way, which is what I've wanted to do uh, since I was a kid, which is great. Um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about your website. I love your website. It's um, very balanced. Your work is very balanced. I love you have, you know, all these um, different styles on there that you offer, like the United States watercolors that are in the shape of a state. Those are great food. 
illustration <laughs> my toddler toddler snack series that was yeah. my my son was involved in that one <laughs> that's great no i love it it's very unique and i just found your website to be really balanced and to have i loved your review section uh, you also license your work i know you do that you just you do a lot of stuff you've got postcards stickers you name it. Uh, I love that you have that kind of balance with your website and that you have the reviews on there because I think that legitimizes the art to a lot of people who are coming on there and might be hesitant to make a purchase, but then they see that and go, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger. Was that something that you worked on for a long time or was it just kind of intuitive? Well, you know, I, I try to think about my website, how I would want to receive information if I was going somewhere to see mm-hmm. something, you know? Um, it's like when I go to shop on Amazon for something, you know, that's the first thing I do is to look and see what other people have said. Right. And, you know, I think that's just kind of part of the process now, you know, it's, it's interesting because business and, um, small business in particular is kind of like a big psychology experiment all day long, you know, how to, (laughs) how to reach the person that's going to connect with your work in the quickest, most efficient and accurate way. And for me, it's like, if I am going to put my artwork up on my website, it needs to be photographed properly. It needs to be color accurate. You know, those things are really, really important to me. Um, I've sent my work away to have other people photograph it to try to save time. And it never worked well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, because they just don't see the color the same way that I do making it, you know? Exactly. Um, and so thank you for saying what you said about the site. I, I it's, it's a work in progress right now, kind of a paused work in progress. I haven't done much with it in a little while, but um, it's nice to have a little place in the internet world and, <laughs> and oh, try yeah. to send people there to, to see what, you know, what I'm working on. And do you, drive a lot of your traffic to Etsy? I try actually not to drive it to Etsy. And in fact, um, when I package an Etsy order, I try to brand it with my website information so that if they ever wanted to purchase again, they knew where else they could find me. Yes. Um, I think, you know, I've not really gotten tons and tons of followers on any social media outlet. I just do it all organically. I'm not doing like for like trains or anything like that, but I've seen and heard of so many people who are influencers who built up these big, huge platforms. And then they just got the rug swept out from under their feet. Their account Mm -hmm. was frozen or taken away from them. And, and so the website platform goes away, right? Right. The website's kind of like my safe place. So if, if I'm talking about my work, I'm usually sending people straight there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I just, when I went on Etsy, I saw how many sales and reviews you had. And I was just wondering if that was a product of you, you know, sending traffic there or, or you're just killing it on Etsy uh, separately, which it seems like you're doing. Um, I do definitely agree with that. I think your website should be your home base. Even for me, who's always preaching about being on all these different art marketplaces, I think that's, I think that's very valuable, but I think it's even more valuable to have a home base and to have something that you can control and a newsletter uh, email list that you can control because that's something that nobody can take away from you. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, I do need to brainstorm more about 
what to send to my email list. And, you know, that's always kind of a a challenge in my mind about how to communicate the best way. I have no problem posting pictures on Instagram, you know, for quick um, information, but my email list is something that I am working on. But as far as Etsy goes, thankfully, they provide quite a bit of organic traffic. And, you know, I think depending on what people are purchasing, a lot of times people will buy one sticker and then they'll come back and want the second one. Same with the the, um, state prints. Sometimes people want to eventually have a whole collection of all the states they've been to, but they're purchasing them one at a time as they can. So it's, it's kind of developed out of the fact that there's pretty large bodies of work on there. And so if somebody wants to, you know, add one to their collection, they can, and it's a little bit of a smaller investment than purchasing many at one time. Right. So you, you have a lot of repeat collectors, I would assume then with uh, on your Etsy and, and on your website. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, if I had to guess, it'd probably be between 10 and 20% of the people who purchase from me are repeat customers. Oh, nice. And, you know, those people are people that, you know, like we were talking about before, you just look for ways to try to spoil them because it, it literally does mean the world to me <laughs> that they've chosen out of so many. I mean, I know that there are so many more skilled artists and people who you know, perhaps know how to technically do watercolor better than me and have been doing it longer, classically trained or whatever, however you want to say it, but they've decided to come to my little corner of the world and support me. That means a lot, you know? Yeah, it does. But also I would say that don't sell yourself short because your artwork is, your watercolors are great. I love them. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a, it's been it's been fun finally trying to figure out color. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an age long uh, process. I'm still doing it too. I love color. It's it's my driving force. But you know, it, you're just constantly learning, which is another beautiful thing about being an artist and being a painter, especially, is that you can paint your whole life and still learn things. That's great. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I I was showing my husband the other day this TikTok account. Now, I don't, I would have to look it up to tell you the name of the guy, but all he's doing is mixing color to try to match it to different things that people suggest. Oh, like nice. it's, it's really fascinating. Oh, that's <laughs> a cool really idea. Cool. Yeah. It's just like a close up video of him with the palette knife and this huge, you know, palette, glass palette with all this crusty paint all the way around it. <laughs> and he almost always starts with like lime green and and you're like, what is he going to do with lime green to get like skin tone, you know? Right, right. And he, he ends up with it in the end. And it's like, I'm just sitting there totally mind boggled. Like, how is he doing this? It's awesome. Oh, that's cool. So, it seems yeah, like it's very it satisfying. Yeah. It is a learning process. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I have a few questions that I typically ask everybody. And I want to launch into those. And I think maybe some of them we've covered a little bit, but I'm going to ask them anyway, and maybe we'll get a little variation. Uh, Sometimes these are valuable to people listening. So I always think of artists as superheroes a little bit. That's why I ask about the origin story. And the next one is your superpower. And what I mean by superpower is what is it that gets you creating even when you maybe don't feel like it? You have a block or you're 
I just don't, I just don't want to paint today. Uh, what is it? And, and maybe it's just the time constraints we're talking about, but, um, but I'd love to hear you talk about that. Well, you hit on part of it. The time constraints definitely help. Um, I think that when I had unlimited time way back in my, you know, art school years, I just wasn't taking it as seriously. I would take forever to try to fix everything. So yeah. the time crunch is that like kind of forces me to produce, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and as cliche as it sounds, I, I get over my creative block when I think about, you know, my kids are watching and their, their sweet little minds just want to see me succeed as much as I want to succeed. And it does them in, in, in service, you know, it doesn't help them at all for, for me to be, um, not serious about this journey. So kind of thinking about it that way, um, kind of puts me right back in, kicks me in the pants. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's so cool. I'm doing a tally sheet of of when to have kids. My wife and I are probably getting close. And I always have these reservations. Like I'm afraid it's going to take away my, you know, my ability to be creative. And I, I love your story because it shows you how you can do it. But that's a great, um, that's a great motivator actually to, to look at it through your kid's eyes. Well, I'll tell you that they, the kids are going to be your greatest increase of creativity that you've ever experienced in life. Really? Because they're going to say things about things that you've been looking at for the last 30 years. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I never, <laughs> ever saw it that way. Oh, I that's mean, it's, awesome. It's really, really refreshing to be able to experience the world again through their little eyes because they don't have any of the same rules that we have or right. that we've learned to have. Yeah, they haven't been beaten the down like we have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool to hear you say that. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've heard a couple yeah. similar things from other parents I've had on the show, and it's making me feel a lot more comfortable about about being an artist and having kids. Yeah, I mean, I I I honestly don't know that I would have ever made the leap had it not been for becoming a mom. So oh, wow. that's how important it, it is and has been in my creative process. I think that you're just gonna find that it's going to make it even easier for you to be inspired in your work and, and definitely easier to be motivated to keep going because now you have something outside of yourself to yes. propel your work forward. Yeah. I think that's spot on. And even to further that a little bit, I think sometimes we can get wrapped up in ourselves and our struggle so much that it'd be nice to kind of have something to slap you and you know take you out of your own head a little bit too yeah totally and that's what kids do (laughs) that's what kids do every day (laughs) they do you don't realize that you're selfish at all until you have children and then you're like oh man (laughs) i really need to confront that (laughs) i I think it's great it's almost like a a buddhist thing i'm always trying to get rid of self a little bit so uh what better way than to have kids right that's a big one (laughs) (laughs) okay cool so um and then I, I always ask about daily routines. I know we've talked a little bit about that too. I know coffee is a big one for you too. Any daily routines that kind of help in your artistic process? Yeah. Um, I usually, well, I get up, get the kids ready and, and start their day first. Um, and then after that, I kind of get the boring stuff out of the way first. Mm-hmm. So if I need to, you know, respond to an email or do 
submissions of any kind for any illustration work that I'm working on or, or anything like that. I get that out of the way. And then I usually do a bit of marketing after that, try to, you know, take care of Facebook and Instagram and hop on Clubhouse and say hi and do all those different little things to try to build relationships. Yeah. And then, then towards the middle of the day is when I'm kind of like, okay, I did all the nitty gritty stuff. I can get into the painting part now. Um, because if I did it the other way around, I probably would never get to any of the boring stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I try to tackle it first and, uh, and then, then I can paint without kind of having it hanging over my head, if you will. It's almost like a reward at that point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. I do the same thing. I do the reward system. I do all my, you know, administrative kind of quote unquote boring stuff at the beginning of the day. And then I end with painting and it's just like a nice way to something to look forward to and a nice way to just feel, you know, reconnected with your purpose at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what about, okay. And now we've already talked about this a little bit about, you know, our paths and, and looking back and going, everything happened for a reason, but so don't look at it so much as like a, you failed type thing, but any sort of failures you've had in your life that could be perceived as failures and something you learned from that failure that propelled you forward? I would say, again, you know, that in the past, I kind of had this notion that if I wasn't painting full time, that I should just not paint at all. It's like mm -hmm. I'm kind of an all in or nothing kind of person. And, um, I think if I go back in time, maybe I would put a little bit more effort into continuing to keep my skill level up, you know, whether or not I was a full-time artist, you know, just right. keep, keep producing, you know, it's like my grandfather was a great example of that. He would finish his 40 hour work week at, you know, doing art therapy and then he'd come home and paint. That was his like way of, of keeping fresh with it all. But then again, even, you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes because even though we might feel like we have a regret, that same thing, you know, the fact that I didn't paint for so long is why I think I'm so resolute now to make sure that I do, yes. you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I would change anything, but I think that, uh, yeah, practicing along the way would have helped me either way. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And, uh, maybe taking some of the nerves away when I go to paint chickens with earrings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, the chickens with earrings series and then the coffee series. Be on the lookout yeah. for that, everybody. Um, <laughs> I might change that question also to be necessary failures because I think you know I think people see it as a negative thing, but I see these types of failures as something that's necessary to get you to learn and to propel you forward as an artist. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. I'm going to end with this one. Any advice to young Rachel, any mm -hmm. age, something that you might've needed at that time, your, yourself right now, looking back, if you had a chance to talk to yourself as a, as a young child, or, you know, maybe even in college, what would you impart to yourself? I would say, I'm thinking about what I would say to my kids because I can try to impart some of this to them Yeah, is that, you know, whatever you think your dream is, the world can work around that. There is enough for you. And if you have a passion, 
Um, you don't need to be worried about where your space is. It will be there when you're ready to say that it's there. Mm. So just step into it and um, be willing to, to get past your, your insecurities and put yourself out there because um, I think that the thing that that's bubbling in, in the passionate part of our hearts is the thing that we're built to do. And if you're, if you have that going on and you're just convincing yourself that you don't have a place, well, you're just, you know, you're not fulfilling the, the reason why you were put here. So, yeah, I completely agree. I love that. That's awesome. Well, we're kind of near the end here. So is there anything that you would like to talk about or plug uh, anything, just anything you have to say? Uh, otherwise, we'll end with telling people where they can find you. Oh, gosh, nothing really to plug. I'm just uh, thank you for taking the opportunity to speak with me today. I've um, really yeah. enjoyed kind of, you know, connecting and getting to know different artists lately. And, um, you know, like I said, just been real thankful to connect with you over on Clubhouse and again here. And um, I think it's exciting what's happening in the art world right now. It's it's like even in the midst of such strange times, you know, who would have thought <laughs> that yeah. we can actually still be doing what we're doing and um, and even thriving doing it. And that's just really encouraging. It going is. Forward. Yeah. It's weird though. It's almost like art has always grown through the cracks, you know, it's always like been struggling yep. to get up to the light and it almost was like, okay, we've done this before. I mean, I, I don't want to minimize the, the bad stuff that's been going on with a lot of people, but um, as far as from yep. a, just from an art perspective, it, sure. it has almost allowed us to kind of thrive in a different way. If you're able to be bold with your art. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I keep thinking like from a psychological and sociological perspective, like when we step back from this situation, however long it will take to get out of it, I think that in the midst of it, as as hard as it has been, there will be beautiful things that have come out of it. And it it's a renaissance, if you will. Yes. Of creativity and productivity in a, in a more healthy way than maybe we've all ever experienced before. So it'll be, it'll be kind of neat to see, you know, what comes about. Oh yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we're going to learn a lot from this looking back, but I hadn't really thought about it from, from the art perspective. I do. I think you're right. I think there's going to be an explosion of art and creativity right now. That's interesting. I think it's one of the only things that's helping people get through. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah I mean, it's true. Me, it's like my art's helping me get through and, and planting little seeds on my windowsill that I'm looking at right now that will eventually be my garden. That's helping me get through. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh, my God. Um, what would we do without music and movies right. and art paintings? Oh, man, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to survive. So that's yeah, gotten maybe. me through. And hey, podcast, too. Let's throw a podcast in there. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> while we're at it. But um, OK, great. Well, it's been awesome talking to you, Rachel. I love your art. Uh, I want everybody to be able to check out your art. So where can they find you on the interwebs? Sure. Um, my website is rachelalvarezart.com. And mm. on Etsy, I'm the naptime artist. Um, on Instagram, I'm Rachel Alvarez Art. So that pretty much sums me up. Yeah, it's great. And you won't be disappointed. You have a lot of different things to collect at a lot of different uh, price ranges. So uh, check out her work. And I know you're going to be 
happy that you did. So Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. And I look forward to keeping up uh, a conversation with you, whether that's on Clubhouse or social media or whatever. But I, I like to keep in contact with people I have on. So let's uh, let's keep this conversation going. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day today. You too. Take care. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.